I'm excited about this morning and continuing in our uh, new series, our summer series entitled Numbers. Uh, if you're new to the church, we actually have a, a little connection card there. Fill it out for us, tear it off, and get some information uh, there at the I'm New table as well as a, a free gift. Uh, but if you are new, then this series is going to be new to you, but it's really new to everybody. We've only been in it just a couple of weeks. Here's the basic gist of the Numbers series, but hashtag, but not Numbers. Our lives are filled with, if you think about it, and inundated uh, with numbers. Numbers are everywhere. They're all around. There are telephone numbers, license plate numbers, social security numbers, credit card numbers, bank account numbers, Powerball numbers, student ID numbers, medical record numbers. I mean, numbers are everywhere. Numbers fill our life, and they also fill the scripture. See, there's the book of numbers, but we're not talking about those numbers. There's a handful of very significant and symbolic numbers, but we're not talking about those numbers. There are other numbers, though, that we want to talk about this summer. There are numbers that bring life to all who hear them. Numbers that when you hear them, you learn about what it means to be alive now and alive forever. Those numbers are 316. John 316. Those are some powerful numbers. There are numbers that bring hope and encouragement to those who are lonely or to those who are afraid. Every time you hear these numbers, we want you to be infused those numbers are 2911, Jeremiah 2911. There are numbers that explain why on earth are we even on this earth. All you got to say to answer that question is 1-1, right? Genesis 1-1. There are great numbers. These are known as chapters and verses, but these numbers, uh, they, they, they help us find certain truths in the Bible. Yeah, it, it'd be hard if I said, right now I want you to flip about halfway through, third paragraph down, fifth sentence in, starting with the word therefore. Everybody got it? Yeah. It'd be hard to be on the same page, literally. So those chapters and verses help us to find these truths. But more than just help us to find them or to read them or to memorize them, those, those numbers, those chapters and verses, don't they kind of infuse you with life? They become the address of hope, if you will. The numbers of life. The digits of your destiny. Those numbers are so incredibly important. 316. 29-11-1-1. I hope you remember and uh, recall those numbers more than you do maybe even your own anniversary date or how many years you've been married, which for some of you guys isn't very hard to do because you can never remember those dates or those numbers. But these numbers, we want you to be infused with life by them. And so this, this summer, we're taking each week and we're just going to look at a different set of numbers, uh, some of the most important scripture in all of Scripture. And this morning I'm excited to share with you a, a certain set of numbers. This week in our uh, video announcements, we do something called the T-Blast, just kind of letting you know what's going on. We put out a little challenge. Not sure if you saw that, but the challenge was to, to tell me from what book these numbers came out of. So this morning our numbers are 1921. But I didn't tell you which of the 66 books in the Bible uh, those numbers were found. And wouldn't you know it, the very first person that responded got the answer. Heather Benedict. Is Heather here this morning? Way to go, Heather, you goody two-shoes. You must have been in my office. You must have heard something. But she, uh, she got those numbers correct, and so we got a little prize for her. We're excited about that. But before I share uh, those numbers with you, i got to tell you a story. It's a story that happened uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but it's a story that many of us can relate to. It happened way back in the day, but it actually happens to us each and every day. Let me share the story with you. It's in Acts chapter 16. If you have a Bible, open it there. If not, we have it on the screen for you. This is how it goes in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. I know there's some weird names there and some, some weird cities, but hang with me. I think there's some powerful truth in these verses. How many of you, as you think about or reflect on your life, have had everything go exactly the way you planned for it to go? How many of you have had every situation, every investment, every project, every relationship turn out just the way you had intended and just the way that you pictured in your mind it would all turn out? Yeah, I didn't expect to see many hands up. Uh, and, and if that does describe, you just aren't comfortable raising your hands, uh, could you come find me afterward? Because I'd love to partner with you for the multi-billion dollar book deal that, that you should be signed on for. See, my life, and I'm sure most of you can relate, it's been filled with lots of ups and downs, lots of curveballs and confusion, lots of headaches and heartaches, lots of deviations and detours. I mean, things don't often work out like we expected them to. Not many of us are actually doing the job that we expected we'd be doing as a kid, which is probably a good thing because there'd be way too many princesses and firemen and quarterbacks, right? But not many of us are actually working in the area or field that we expected to be working in in college. Statistics show that only 27% of college graduates have a job related to their major. Not many of us are living in the city that we thought we'd be living in at one point in time. Some of us are no longer in the relationship that we thought would last forever. Some of us have buried a loved one that we thought we would have a lot more time with. See, what we hoped for, what we expected, what we wanted, what we worked towards, what we planned on, it didn't come about, didn't come to fruition, maybe it didn't even come at all. In fact, for some of us, things don't look anything like we thought they would look like at this point in our lives. And in Acts 16, the Apostle Paul He's basically the leader of the church after Jesus dies and goes back to heaven. He is traveling at breakneck speed from one city and one town to another, just sharing the love of God, sharing the grace of Christ, sharing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is just telling everybody he can. If you change a word or two in Alicia Keys' song, this girl is on fire, it applies perfectly to this man in this moment because he is on fire for God. This apostle's on fire. And it just doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same ring. But here in Acts 16, Paul and a few of his companions, it's a small group of guys, they're traveling through a region called Galatia. It's actually modern-day Turkey. I'm sorry, this isn't the best map uh, I could have created. This was all me and PowerPoint could figure out how to do on, on Friday. So it's modern-day Turkey. It's out by the Mediterranean Sea. And they're traveling through this area, and they decide to go up to a region called Bithynia. It's up north. Kind of see it right there. In their minds, and according to their plans and their calculations, the best place to go, the next place to go, is up north, to Bithynia. And Bithynia was a real place. You see it there on the map. But I think Bithynia kind of represents something so much more, something so much bigger. Bithynia represents Paul's plans. Bithynia represents what Paul had in mind, what Paul thought was best, where Paul saw himself going in the future. Paul was an extremely intelligent individual. 
So I'm sure that he weighed the pros and cons. He, he, he made a list of things. He did a cost-benefit analysis. And according to his calculations, Bithynia, that's where we got to go. That's the next stop. But as is the case for many of us, things, things didn't work out like Paul hoped for. Things didn't work out like Paul planned on. The text tells us that the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go to Bithynia. So they passed by Mysia and ended up down in a place called Troas. Now I'm not sure how this happened or what this looked like, but Paul is trying to make his way. He's trying to have his plans come to fruition, but he is stopped. He's stopped by the Lord. I'm not sure if there was some neon sign that said, no. I'm not sure if he like, ran out of gas, like, yep, guess we're not going to Bithynia. Get out, let's walk. Or maybe there was a white wizard that said, you shall not pass. Come on, Lord of the Rings people, where are you? Thank you, Daniel, I was looking for you, man. Jeez, am I the only guy that watched that trilogy? So I'm not sure how God stopped him from getting to Bithynia, but he stopped him. And this wasn't the first time. In that very first verse, in, in verse 6, it says that God also stopped them from going down into Asia. So this has happened now on multiple occasions. And I can only imagine how frustrated Paul must have been by this, because it's frustrating when the same thing happens to us, is it not? We all have a Bithynia in life, or maybe two or maybe ten Bithynias. We all have these expectations and these goals. We all have dreams. We all have destinations in mind, places we expect to go, places we want to go, things we want to see and do and be a part of. We know what we want. We know what it looks like, and we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to take to get there. That's Bithynia. But then more often than not, instead of making it to Bithynia, we end up in a place like Troas, a place we've never even heard of before, a place that wasn't even on our radar before. More often than not, we end up somewhere completely different than where we had hoped or planned or expected. Are you with me? See, Bithynia is this marriage, the marriage that's supposed to last a lifetime. It's a marriage that doesn't end until death do us part, and we work hard to make the marriage work, but suddenly we end up divorced and devastated. We end up in Troas. We thought Bithynia was where we were going to go and where, and where we should be, but we ended up in Troas. Bithynia is a life marked by financial success and, and great security, man. It's one where we provide so abundantly for our church and our family and our friends. And, and you go to the right schools and, and you work hard and all that stuff, but you just barely get by. You're struggling to make ends meet. You're living hand to mouth. You end up in Troas. I mean, you saw Bithynia and it looks so good, and now you're living in Troas. Bithynia is this career that you had in mind that was so satisfying, and you got the right degrees, and you got the straight A's, and you did all that, but now you're in a, in a job you don't like, and you're not living out your purpose. You're in Troas. You had Bithynia in mind, but you're nowhere close to Bithynia. You're in Troas. Bithynia is this ideal family, man, that you always thought you'd have. It's this Rockwellian picture where everybody's happy and eating and smiling, like even the dog in the corner is like, mm -hmm. And it was this family where everybody was close and together, and there was kids running around and multiple generations together. But, but suddenly you end up in Troas, and your family's in shambles, or you can't even start your family. For some reason, God won't allow you to, to begin a family. You're in Troas. You had Bithynia in mind. You made all preparations and all plans to go to Bithynia. But now you're stuck in Troas. 
Can you resonate with that? Can you relate to that? Bithynia sounds so good, doesn't it? Man, Bithynia looks like the right thing to do, the right place to go. Bithynia even looks and feels like it's where God wants you to go. But then all of a sudden, all the doors close. All the options run out. All the roads come to an end, and you can't get there. You're on your way to Bithynia, then you lose your job, you lose your spouse, you lose your health, you lose your self-control, and suddenly you're in Troas, a place you never planned on being. The Apostle Paul can relate. In fact, most of the men and women in the Scripture can relate to that. Walking by faith and walking with God. Oh, I wish it was a, a life that was, that was no detours, right? There, there, was, there was no distractions or there was no deviations from the plan. But a life of faith, a life walking with God is filled with those kind of things. The road isn't very straight. But it's what happened to Paul when he went to Troas that I want to share with you today because I think it will help you when you end up in a similar place. Let's pick up the story in verse 9. It says this, During the night... In Troas, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia, help us out, the man said. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so Paul ends up in Troas. Even though he wanted to be, he was planning on going to Bithynia. But it's in that place. You need to hear that this morning. It's in that place. It's in Troas, not Bithynia. It's in a place of confusion. It's in a place of doubt. It's in a place of disappointment. It's in a place that wasn't even on his radar. It's in that place. It's in Troas where he hears from God. He actually has an encounter with God. See, it's in that place. It's in Troas, not Bithynia, where Paul begins to learn about the great and mysterious things of God. It's in that place. It's in Troas, not Bithynia, where Paul realizes what his calling and what his purpose really are. It's in Troas where that happens, not Bithynia. It appears as if maybe Paul wasn't going to to receive this vision if he ended up in Bithynia. Maybe he wasn't going to be able to act upon this this mission if he ended up in Bithynia. If If he ended up going where he had planned on going, something was going to be awry, and God knew it, so God stopped him. I know Bithynia looked nice. I know you wanted to get there, but I had to stop you from going there because I need you to go somewhere else. You need to end up somewhere else. That's what God says to Paul. And if you keep reading Acts 16, you'll see why. It's amazing. After Paul ends up in Macedonia, this rich woman named Lydia and all of her family come to know the Lord. And then suddenly this jailer who's about to commit suicide is stopped from committing suicide and he's given an entirely new perspective on life. There's a a girl basically who's sold into sex trafficking. She is rescued by the disciples from the sex trafficking. And then, oh, by the way, Paul ends up planting a church called the Church in Philippi as a result of going down to Macedonia. Why did all that happen? How did all that come about? Troas. Troas. Paul had to go through Troas to make it to all those other things. And I'm so proud of Paul for being open to or at least allowing God to change his plans and to change his course. I know Troas wasn't where you want to be, isn't where you want to be. But there's a Macedonia coming. There's something so much bigger that you got to be a part of. There's somewhere else you got to get to. And if you got Bithynia, maybe you'd never end up there. All right, now we're ready for our, our numbers. 1921. 
Heather, what book do they come out of? Proverbs. Proverbs 19.21. There are many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's plan that will stand. There are many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's plan that will stand. So according to 1921, we all have and devise and come up with all these great plans, right? We got everything planned out. We got everything mapped out. But in the end, it's God's plan that will always come to fruition. And many of our plans will not. And that sounds kind of harsh. And it's like, geez, pastor, thanks for the encouraging word. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Sounds harsh, but I don't think we would want it any other way. Sure, we kick and we scream, we pitch a fit when things don't work out the way we had intended. But as a person of faith, as a person who trusts in the Lord, as a person who believes in a good, sovereign, all-knowing God, we rejoice in his plans. And we rejoice that his plans will always come to fruition. We rejoice and we take great delight that his plans trump our plans. You know why? Because our plans are limited. Our plans are small. Our plans are rather incomplete. They're self-centered. Our plans are not as good as we think they are. They're not as perfect or airtight as we hoped they would be. Our plans normally don't take eternity into account. Our plans focus more on our character or more on our comfort or happiness than our character or our holiness. And so oftentimes, God says, you got a plan. That's a nice little plan. I got a much bigger plan. And I'm going to redirect and alter your plan for the sake of mine. According to 1921, God knows what's best for us. So he orchestrates and arranges things to happen to us so he might do great things through us and ultimately bring life to the people around us. I'm going to say that again because it took me about 15 minutes to, to type out. God knows what's best for us. And so he orchestrates certain things to happen to us so he might do great things through us and ultimately bring life to others around us. See, I know Troas wasn't what you planned on. I know it wasn't where you expected to go or even where you wanted to go. I know Troas, it's, it's an interruption to your life. I know you wanted this, but you got that instead. And I know you wanted that, but you ended up with this. But guess what? More often than not, it's in Troas where you meet God. It's in Troas where you come face to face with your maker. I mean, if we're honest, it's in places like Troas where God typically does his best work. Right? It's in Troas where God gets your attention and gets you to where you ultimately need to be. It's in Troas where you typically surrender your life more fully to God and you start to see that your life is part of something so much bigger. It's in Troas that you're given the opportunity to stop focusing on your little world and your little agenda and to start being a part of what God is doing. It's in Troas where it's not what you had in mind anymore. It's in Troas where you start thinking about what God has in mind. You with me? Oh, but it hurts, doesn't it? There's, there's no nice hotels in Troas. There's only like fast food joints. Like Troas is not a good place to be. But it's in Troas. It's in Troas where God shows up and where he redirects you into this great mission. See, I'm, I'm sure Paul wasn't too thrilled about getting to Troas. I mean, every, anybody who's driven or determined, they wouldn't be. But I can guarantee you that Lydia and the jailer and the slave girl and the whole church in Philippi, they were sure glad Paul went to Troas. 
Because he went through Troas, they found Jesus. Mm. Because he went through Troas, all those other people found life eternal. See, Paul had this this little thing in mind, and God said, yeah, that's a nice little plan, Paul. How about this plan? Because many are the plans in a man's heart. But my plans, God says, they're the ones that matter. They're the ones that will last. They're the ones that will come to fruition. See, I have to think that if Paul didn't get to Troas, he doesn't get to Lydia. If Paul didn't get to Troas, he doesn't rescue the slave girl. If Paul doesn't go through Troas, he doesn't save the jailer's life. If Paul doesn't go through Troas, he doesn't start this church in Philippi. He had to go through Troas. And so do you. You got to go through Troas. But what was true for Paul in that story, it's also true for us. From miscarriages to mishaps, from divorce to death to detours, When we end up in a place that we don't want to be, when things happen to us that we didn't plan on or expect, when we end up in Troas, I think God is simply moving you out of your plans and into his plans. Your plans might have been good, but they're nothing compared to the glory of God's plans. And church, I don't don't just preach this. Yeah, I've visited Troas a time or two myself. I've got the scars of Troas. I got food sick in Troas one time, right? And I got like a crappy t-shirt in Troas. Anyway, sorry. I've been to Troas. It was that dream job in Texas that ended up turning into a nightmare. Costing me, costing me so much. It was those relationships that I expected to turn out one way and, and, and turned sour. It's walking with my wife right now through stage four cancer that her mom has. It's church work that never turns out like I expected to you. I know Troas. I've I've passed through and and made a stay in Troas myself. But I also know, I also know that although I expected to get to Bithynia and end up in a place like Troas, I also know, church, that there's another place after Troas. I also know there's a Macedonia coming. And in some of those situations, I've already seen the Macedonia. And in others, I'm waiting for it. But I believe in his plans. I believe that his plans are good and better and eternal and will never fail. And so I kind of say, Lord, have your way, but be gentle. Lord, have your way, but get me out of here quickly. Lord, have your way, but I would love to be in Macedonia right now and not Troas. But you have to believe that if you are going through a Troas, that there is another place you have to get to. And you can only get there through Troas. Look at Isaiah 14, 27 with me. It says this, Who can argue with or stand in God's way? The eternal commander of heavenly armies. He has determined this is how it's going to be. And so it will be. See, being a Christian doesn't mean that you invite God to be a small part of your story. What it means is that you are asking God if you could be a small part of his story. It's submitting and surrendering your life and your plans and your agenda to his. It's moving from the kingdom of me, where you assume that you know what's best, to the kingdom of he, where you trust that he knows best. That's what Numbers 19.21 are all about. And when you finally embrace that, when you fully embrace that, then you can go through a Troas. You can end up in Troas. You can go through a divorce or a death or, or some drastic change in your life, and you won't fear. You won't lose heart. You won't lose hope. See, life is going to throw you a few curveballs. Sometimes it throws you a few screwballs. But you can 
hit that ball out the park, if I keep with that analogy, although it's not working anymore, you can go through that situation knowing that Troas is not the end of the story. You will not stay in Troas forever. You see, with Paul, he was there for one night. Troas, you're just passing through Troas. So don't believe you're going to be stuck there forever. You are passing through it. But more than that, you are passing through it to get to Macedonia. You've got to get there. Because people there need you. I don't know who it is. I don't know what they need. But someone in Macedonia, in your Macedonia, needs you. I came across a video this week, and I, I was too late to ask John to show up for us. Maybe you saw it going through Facebook. It's the story of a little boy, seven-year-old boy, who lost both of his parents. And they're interviewing him, and, and he's obviously pretty devastated by what happened. Right? He had imagined, I believe, a, a Bithynia, a lifetime with his parents, as any child should. But he ended up in Troas as an orphan, living with his aunt. But the story is about how he's, he's using some of the life insurance money that his parents left for him to buy, to buy toys, little toys. And he's standing out on the street corner, and, and every afternoon at 2 o'clock, he, he hands out toys to the people that are walking by. And he just asks that they'll smile in exchange for the toy. You talk about a Troas, but you also talk about a Macedonia, right, coming out of the Troas. And there's people that just start bawling. I mean, little Tyco cars, little G.I. Joes, right? Little action figurines. There's nothing overly emotional about those things. But when they receive that gift from that little boy, they are overwhelmed. They needed him. And he had to go through Troas to get there. So this morning, as we wrap all this up, just keep a couple things in mind for me, church. You know me. I got to have points. So here you go. Here's your points. God wants you to make plans. He's given you a brain for a reason. But he also wants you to be open to him changing those plans. That's what it means to trust. Secondly, when things don't work out the way you had hoped, you need to stop and drop. You need to ask God where or what he would rather you do instead. That's what it means to submit. And when God asks you to go somewhere, even if it doesn't make any sense, Humble yourself and get going right away. That's what it means to obey. And finally, know that if you let him, God will use your detours, your heartache, your pain, your frustration, your troas. He will use it to bring you life. And he will also use your life to bring life to a lot of other people. That's what it means to live for Christ. So again, I'm, I'm sure Bithynia was a nice place. I'm sure Paul would have liked it there. I'm sure he would have made some great friends and, and had some great memories. He would have purchased some cool souvenirs in Bithynia. And although Paul didn't know it, God did. Bithynia was not where Paul needed to go. Bithynia was, was not where Paul could ultimately live out his purpose and his calling. Bithynia was not where Paul would bring the most life to others. Macedonia was. But to get there you got to go through Troas. And because I think Paul believed in the Numbers 1921, he allowed his course and his life and his plans to be altered for the plans of God. And God took him on a wild ride that saved and blessed so many people, including us today. And so God will probably take you on a few detours. He'll probably take you to a few places and, few, uh, and, and through a few things you would never have planned on. But I hope you know that wherever you find yourself. That's not your final destination. That's not the end of the story. 
and the ultimate destination, our ultimate Macedonia, heaven itself, will make all those Troas adventures worth it, don't you think? When we end up in that place, it'll make the journey well, well worth it. Let me pray over you guys, and we'll get you out of here. In 57 minutes, I might add. What just? I could preach for 20 more minutes, John, and we still get out on time. Right, are you ready? Acts chapter 17. All right, let's, let's pray it up. I got you, you, you two guys will hang out with me afterwards, all right? God, uh, this thing called life is uh, it's a tough thing. And yet you have come alongside of us and given us so much insight. More than that, you've given us your, your presence and your spirit to help us navigate tough waters and, and difficult roads. We're thankful for the story in Acts 16, God. It's like, you know, the story of the disciples didn't turn out just, just perfectly smooth. where Everything worked out exactly as they planned and hoped for. It's interesting that you would include in a story that Paul had a plan, tried to push forward, but you stopped him and said, nope, not that way. We're thankful for that little story in Acts 16 because it seems to suggest that it's okay when our plans don't work out. More than that, God, it's not just okay. It's actually for our good that they don't work out. But I just pray for those who are in a Troas right now. It's a place of confusion and doubt. It's not where they wanted to be. It's not where they expected or planned on being. And so would you just speak to them in that moment? Would you show up in a great vision or a dream or an encouraging word or even a billboard, God, or a radio song, whatever it might be, would you speak to them in that place and show them what you're doing? Tell them where they need to get going to. Show them, show them what's coming next, God. Reveal to them the great mission they are being called to participate in. Show them, God, how many people desperately need them to move through Troas and into a new season of life. Help us, God, to take death and to pass out little toys instead. Instead of just focusing on what was lost, God, we can focus on what could be and what will be. Make it so. Help us to be folks that always believe there's a Macedonia coming and it'll be for our good and the good of those around us. We love you. We thank you. Again, bless the families who have visited us this week. Um, fill their homes, God, with your joy and your passion and your delight and help them to, uh, to serve each other in Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So thankful for you guys. Again, if you're visiting, thank you for being here tonight. Join us for the Jamboree, 5 o'clock out on the field. We're going to have water games, lots of water, activities, barbecue. You're not going to want to miss it. Have an amazing day. Be strong and courageous.